The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We are between the ashes. The College Football National Championship has come and gone, and a thriller between Alabama and Georgia. A thriller of defense, a stalwart until late in that fourth quarter. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Between the Hashes, a college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, as always, Cody Work here in Hour 3 of Pro Football Network Weekly. To break down all the action, I'm going to bring on our experts on the college football side, the NFL draft side. That is Ian Cummings and Holly and Ollie Hodgkinson of Pro Football Network, our college football NFL draft analyst. Gentlemen, look, yesterday's game was I, I was able to sit down, relax, finally have a cold beverage in my hand, kick my feet up. And you know me, guys, I'm a defensive guy. Now, for that first three quarters of action, I was very happy. I know Ollie, as he loves kicking, he loves punting. He was very happy with how things were going as well. And then all of a sudden, Georgia, they ran away with it late in that fourth quarter. They were able to capitalize. How you guys doing? Initially, your thoughts here on the, the national championship. You're right. Yeah, muted. My bad. Okay. Yeah, Cody's accidentally saying uh, fantasy football stuff, and then we're muted. We're we're getting we're getting through the kinks early. We're on off the rocks show. here today, gents. Yeah, exactly. You know. It's, oh my god. Yeah, but anyway, man. I mean, I'm good. I mean, it was a fun game. I mean, there's a lot of talent. I mean, that was something we were talking about into the lead up, like days before into the lead up. And I know the week before, me and Ali were cranking out scouting reports just on all these guys. Like, there's so much talent on on both sides of the field. It's it's a crazy showcase, and I think we got what was advertised. It was a very good game up to the very end. Uh, what about you, Ali? I know you were excited about all the for the brand stuff, the kickers, the punters. That's Ali's dream right there. I was joking before we came on air that. Like, for me, the, the national championship was that first half, that into the third quarter, kicking, punting. And then, unfortunately, a game broke out late in the fourth quarter, which was, you know, it really stymied all the, yeah. the, love, that, the love that I have for Jake Kamada and the love that I had for the, the, the kicking game. Will Reichard, a very, very good kicker at Alabama. So, uh, yeah, I was joking that... Um, that really, that was the, the game was ruined by what happened later on in the day. But uh, a fantastic uh, national championship between two exceptional college football teams. I mean, you have two of the best teams in college football going head to head in this game here, and obviously Georgia winning this one, thirty-three to eighteen over Alabama. I think a lot of people were were kind of wondering how the outcome was going to go because I had you guys on throughout the week to preview this game here, and we talked about defense a lot, and we talked about Georgia's defense, and obviously they were able to make some plays. Obviously, a pick six late in the game is really what solidified Georgia's big-time win, and obviously, you know, major congratulations to Dan Lanning for being able to coach this game. Now he's going to go to the University of Oregon where they're going to be in line for a national championship as well. Just sorry, boys, I had to throw that in there. there. But I want to get your perspective. I want to get your insight because you guys, you, you watched every angle of this game you broke it down. You did the write-ups at ProFootballNetwork.com. I, I want to ask you the question. You know, when you look at this game between Alabama and Georgia, how did Georgia win it, and how did Alabama lose it, and and what can these teams do to obviously either build on it or even come back from it next season? 
Yeah, well, I'll go first. I think, you know, we can – there's there's a lot that goes into it, obviously coaching. I mean, we can say that Kirby Smart, I think it was an impeccable coaching performance all through the playoffs from him. I mean, the Michigan game was very good. But I think it really boils down to Jameson Williams, you know, his presence and then his absence. I think you look at, you know, before when he was on the field, you know, he's such a weapon to account for. You know, you really need to play with more depth as safeties and cornerbacks. You really can't give up any space. And then when you play with more depth, you open up the the middle of the field and the under, underneath routes for other guys. So having Jamison Williams there is the X factor. You know, not only can Williams create for himself, but he can also create for his offense. And I feel like having him there, being able to create space for other guys was such a big X factor for Alabama. And then when he came off the field, now if you're Georgia, that's one crazy dynamic weapon that you don't have to account for. You can play closer to the line. You can make Bryce Young uncomfortable. You can give more pressure looks with your linebackers. You can be much more aggressive. And I think when Williams kind of went off the field, that was kind of when the tide turned. And Georgia said, hey, we can bring everything we got. We can bring the house and we can make this guy as uncomfortable as he can be. And that was ultimately what led to the success because we saw, you know, he was starting to get a little more erratic with his accuracy. That pick six was underthrown right to the defender. So when you're Georgia, you know, James Williams takes away a lot of flexibility and gives it to the offense. And when he's not there, you know, Georgia, it just the, the balance completely shifts. And I think to me, that was the biggest factor. There were many others as well. You know, football is a very complex sport. But I think that was the one that stood out to me is Williams when he was there. Alabama was chugging a lot more efficiently. And when he wasn't there, you know, that's one big weapon that Georgia doesn't have to account for. And they can start to open things up a bit. Yeah, I think I, I came on the show last night and we talked about, or yesterday afternoon, and we talked about the battle in the trenches and how football games are ultimately won and lost in the trenches. When you look at that game last night, a couple of things stood out to me was obviously both teams are incredibly um, talented on defence. You look at the the impact for Georgia of guys like N'Kobe Dean, like Devontae Wyatt, like Jordan Davis, like you go on the line, Trayvon Walker, like Channing Tindall, like, you know, we literally could go on all night. And then on, on the Alabama side of the ball, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, there's so much incredible defensive talent. But I think one of the things that stood out for me as a, a game changer in the, the the overall end result. Obviously, Jameson Williams is huge. The the injuries, not just for Williams, but the secondary as well. But up front for Georgia, they struggled early on. They struggled early on to, to, to contain Will Anson, to contain Fedarian Mathis, to contain Dallas Turner. But when um, Jamari Sawyer was um, switched over from left tackle to right guard and they brought in Broderick Jones at left tackle, <coughs> excuse me, it seemed to allow Georgia to have a couple of explosive plays on the ground that had been been lacking beforehand. Zamir White, obviously, he got a rushing touchdown, which was a, a, a bit of a game changer. But James Cook had a huge run, a 67-yard run. And a lot of that was the change in the dynamic on the offensive line for Georgia. And I think that, that made such a huge difference to the end outcome of the game. And those special teams as well, Jalen Carter's, blocked field goal. Again, another big momentum changer. When you talk about winning football games, you talk about explosive plays that James Cook run, the A.D. Mitchell um, touchdown, a, a huge explosive play. And again, compounded with the, the injuries in the Alabama secondary, you know, we talk about Jameson Williams' injury impacting the game, but not having Jalen Armour Davis, not having Josh Job, Kyrie Jackson had to come in. He's a, a, an inexperienced kid at that level of college football. And that just allowed explosive plays from some of the Georgia playmakers that, that ultimately ended up being a difference in the 2022 College Football National Championship game. 
No, it was very entertaining back and forth. And you guys mentioned Jamison Williams, and I figure we'll obviously dedicate some time right here to talk about him. Obviously, his injury, you hate to see it on replay. And it brings up a question. There's obviously on our ticker tape, one of our questions that we have is, should all NFL and college football stadiums eventually move to grass surfaces over synthetic turf? Because there is right now a little bit of an issue that's coming under the microscope about synthetic turfs and the rise of Achilles and ACL injuries. I know about that very, very well on my end from experiencing that. And it was on a synthetic turf field that did it. Uh, an absolutely fantastic playmaker. And Nick Saban was met at halftime by Holly Rowe and was asked to question this. You know, with the injury to Jameson Williams, he can't come back. What are you going to, you know, how do you rely? How does the offense keep going? And Saban just gave us the most Saban response out there that, well, we have some young talent in that locker room. They're going to have to step up and find a way to make it happen. But, gentlemen, I want to ask you about Jameson Williams. I mean, how does this injury, we don't know what the severity of it is yet. I know that the initial fear, what some people think, is that it could be an ACL. But what does this mean for his potential NFL draft stock here in 2022? Yeah, it's 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 tough, man, because like you go through the whole season, you know, completely healthy. And then in the very last game, that's when it happens. You know, you never want it to happen at any point. And, and I, I'm absolutely gutted by it because he's obviously a, a very talented player and an even better person off the field. You hear about the coaches, they give him rave reviews for how he's worked and kind of revitalized his career. So it's just it's gutting, man. And I think. You know, it really throws a wrench in it because after this game, you're starting the pre-jab process. You're starting to prepare for those drills at the combine so that you can boost your stock even more. And were he to test at the combine, he would potentially be a top 15, 12 pick. I mean, he would test out of this world. Now, not only is he not being able to test, there's a potential reality that he's not ready at the start of the regular season. You know, maybe it's a longer rehab. And then there's questions about durability and longevity after that. Is he going to have the same amount of explosiveness he did? So I think we got to wait until we see the full MRI results, just how bad is it? We've seen guys come back from this, you know, and, you know, medical technology is getting better every year. So it's not something that is, it's not a career ender, you know, by any means, but it is something where it really kind of interrupts his, his, you know, path to the NFL. And I, we were talking with Tommy before the show, it's like, do you go back? Because you're already familiar with the Alabama training staff and, and medical staff. You can rehab there in a place where you're familiar with go back and then just keep producing with a quarterback that you're familiar with, you know, maintain that familiarity, get healthy and go for it again. But, you know, even I, I see the reasoning there, but even then, what if you can't get back to hundred percent? What if you don't play as well as you did this year? Now NFL teams can actually look at that and say, well, he definitely regressed and they're not going to take him as high. And then what if you get injured again? You know, it's, it's a tough situation. And my advice would just be, you know, focus on your rehab, get healthy. And it's a tough decision that he has. I think, Honestly, if I'm an NFL evaluator, I would be comfortable taking him within the first two rounds still because the talent is just so great. And we, we saw him grow as a receiver, you know, even beyond the speed, having the hip sync to, to you know, generate momentum out of his breaks on his routes, the body control to contort and, and make catches, you know, and just the, um, you know, the absolute ability as a gunner. I love that. I thought he improved as a run blocker down the stretch. This guy is just an all out football player on top of being such a uh, such a you know top tier talent so I'd be comfortable taking him in the first two rounds you know if he drops far enough but the medical red flags are definitely going to throw a wrench in it because we know teams especially the combine you know we've seen it in, in recent years they can really be sticklers when it comes to medical uh, information for prospects yeah and I, think, I think the issue for Jameson Williams you referenced it there this is a guy we were talking about being a top 15 top 12 pick NFL teams expect return on investment immediately with a first round pick and with Jameson Williams, six, nine months down the line, you, do, you don't know. You don't know if you're going to be able to get that immediate investment. Well, you're definitely not going to get the immediate investment. You don't know what 
you're going to get in terms of the explosion that we talked about when we return to that. You know, his pace is such a big part of his game. It's not the be-all and end-all, but that electrifying pace is, is a huge part of his game. You don't know if you're going to get that back. But regardless of, of, of what you end up getting out of Jameson Williams in the long term with a first-round pick, you're expecting immediate contribution to an NFL team. Uh, and and you can't say you're going to get that from Jameson Williams, even if you have the the speediest recovery without any complications. You know, we 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 talk about George Pickens and how he came back towards the end of the season, and he he had a great um, great catch last night in the national championship. That's not the norm. It's not normal to come back as quickly as George Pickens did from an ACL tear and light it up in the college football national championship just you know a, a small bit of time later so th- there's a lot of complications there's a lot of question marks I think he was positive that obviously he walked off the pitch under his own steam you saw him on the sideline he was he was at least being able to walk comfortably it, it appeared you don't know how much that's adrenaline we referenced he wanted to go back in the game Nick Saban was the guy who said look kid you, you're not going back out there with that injury so it in his heart of hearts, he, he must have at least thought he could get out there and contribute. Like like we saw Jalen Waddle do this time last year when he came back from an injury and he, he didn't look quite 100% when he got out there and made a couple of plays. So it's it's a tough one for Jameson Williams. It's it's a tough one as Ian reference. It's, it's gutting when you sit and watch these kids. This is what it boils down to at the end of the day. We can put a value on it. We can talk about it from a, a pure technical and use big words. These are kids. These are kids trying to pursue a dream. And that's what's gut-wrenching at the end of the day when you see something like that for Jameson Williams. Well, you hate <clears> seeing injuries like that. You know, gentlemen, I, I tore my ACL and DJ Dirty J here in the chat at twitch.tv slash profilebunker. Just want to thank everybody that's jumping in, joining in in the chat section here. He says, Cody, if it isn't too personal, how difficult is the road back from an ACL tear? I think it really depends on where you're at. I'm like, I'm always nowhere as near as an elite athlete as Jameson Williams is. But, you know, for me, I think I think the biggest thing that people don't realize about ACL tears, you know, it's a physical journey, right? Because they're cutting you open. And once they cut you open, your quad shuts down. You have to get your quads to activate all over again. But the thing that's probably the bigger struggle, it's a physical journey, but it's just as much as a mental journey as it is physical. Now, for a guy who's as explosive as Jamison Williams, his job, what he needs to do on the field, involves a lot of routine cutting, planting, change of direction, which you need your ACL. So I'd say for the first 12 weeks necessarily, if in fact, let's just say this is what's confirmed, let's say it is ACL for him, after he gets surgery, if this is the case, the first 12 weeks will be critical. Rehab, making sure that you're breaking up scar tissue in the effective manner there, and you're not overdoing it because for the first 12 weeks, your ACL, your donor tissue, more than likely, if you take it, which what we see from pro athletes now, they take their own patella tendon and they use that as their ACL. Uh, and sometimes there's the cadaver where they take it from a dead person or they use a hamstring. There's that model as well. So a, a lot of different options that they can utilize, but they found that the patella tendon usually is the one that holds up the most in terms of your body being able to not reject the tissue. That's something that not many people think about there. However, I, I love the point that you made here, Ollie, about them being just kids because you could imagine him in this situation where he's at, he's probably going to have so many different people in his ear saying, go to the NFL draft, you know, risk it. Or he's going to have guys that are going to say, Hey, go back to school another year. This is going to be a decision that regardless of the outcome of the injury, Jamison Williams needs to make maybe with close counsel, but not with all the outside noise, because it is a very risky decision regardless to go back to school. It's a very risky decision to go and and declare for the NFL draft, even though you're not going to be able to produce at the scouting combine or may not even be ready for the regular season. 
we look yeah. at guys like Jeffrey Simmons as one of those guys that's kind of the exception, but it's tough. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. Go ahead, and, Ian. Yeah, and putting it in the context, I, I think it was very insightful to hear your perspective because putting it in the context of that, like right away, you have a, a very strenuous timetable with the rehab, right? So, you know, maybe for Jameson, I know Bex makes a great point in the comments, like going back, at least you have the comfort of being in that offense. And not only that, but the NFL draft preparation process is right away. It's a very arduous process. you got to be all in on that. And having this injury might affect your ability to do that. And I know he doesn't, he doesn't have to pre- prepare for drills anymore because he's not going to be healthy enough to go. He'll just be rehabbing. But at the same time, you got to pick an agent, you know, you got to do interviews, you got to do all that stuff. So, you know, it, it could be better for him and more comfortable and familiar to go back, you know, stay comfortable, get healthy and go all in again on your on your next season. So, again, it's a tough it's a tough situation. Like you said, make it with close counsel and, you know, whatever he does, you understand, you know, it's really uh, yes. it, it's just it's hard to win in this case. Just try and get back. Football fans, like I said, whatever decision he makes, please respect it. Don't be toxic on social media towards them or their family members. Whatever decision they make is in the best interest of themselves. And they've obviously they've thought about it, you know, and that's the thing too. I think that's another element of college football that we're now approaching, right? With all these NIL deals that are now happening, we're seeing people start to view college athletes as less than human beings now. They're just like this monetary thing. They're humans. Look, they got to take care of themselves. They got to take care of their families. They have the chance to really do something that has never been done before. So that's one thing I'm really grateful for with NIL being a big thing here. But gentlemen, we're going to continue the conversation on today's episode of Between the Hashes, a college football and NFL draft podcast. It's also available in audio format wherever you get your podcast live here on Tuesdays and Thursdays on twitch.tv slash pro football network. I'm joined by Ollie Hodgkinson and Ian Cummings, pro football network, NFL and draft analysts here as we continue the conversation, the recap, the fallout from the national championship, Georgia 33, Alabama 18, Georgia's national champion. Gentlemen, in this game, obviously a lot of back and forth. We talk about offensive players, defensive players. Who are the standout 2022 NFL draft prospects that you guys were keeping your eye on in this game that stood out to you? I mean, we just say George's defense, leaving it that. We could do that. <laughs> I mean, but uh, we're going to be a little more, we're going to have a little more substance here. I mean, going into the, into the depth of it, the brevity of it. I mean, you look at that defense, man, so many prospects. I know. We spent the whole week in the lead up, you know, writing up those guys. And it was so fun to see them in action. I know I, I scouted two of the linebackers, Channing Tyndall, who, if you saw him, number 41, he was flying around the field all day as a blitzer, you know, as a run stopper. You know, that guy, is, he is hashtag explosive, you know, and he was flying around the field. And I, I love his his hot motor, too. Like, he definitely maximizes that explosiveness. I think he can be a great Sam linebacker at the NFL level. I look at Quay Walker, the other linebacker, number seven. 6'4", 240. The guy moves way, way better than you'd expect a guy with that size to. He was providing a lot of value as a blitzer, but then he can shade tight ends and coverage too. And we saw that, you know, especially in the second half when Williams was gone, you know, the linebackers can can blitz a little more and provide that pressure. And you saw, you know, Tyndall and Walker and Nicobe Dean all stunting the inside and just stacking up on top of each other. And you can't deal with all that. You can't deal with all that heat. So that was a fun one. 
Darian Kendrick on the outside thought he had a great game. He was matching guys with hit with his hips out of releases. He was getting he was getting the uh, disruption at the catch point. So I love to see that he's a physical, uh, fluid, and pretty explosive guy. So he could be an early round pick. Uh, Nolan Smith on the edge really liked his performance too. He's always been a very good run defender for his size, around 6'3", 235. But he was showing some value as a pass rusher too. He's explosive. He's got bend. He's got all the traits, man. And he was starting to put it together yesterday. I really liked his performance, especially against Chris Owens on the other side. He really exploited that stiff, high pad level. You know, so you love to see that. And I could go on. I'll let Ali talk about the next guy, Lewis Seen, because that's his guy <laughs> right there. But Lewis Seen was all over the place too, man. I was just saying, I think he's going to say Lewis Seen. Yeah, I'm I didn't want to take off. I'm going to leave one yeah. for you. I'll leave one. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. Look. This guy, Lewis Seen, defensive MVP in your 2022 national championship. And a guy for me who I think should deserve first round consideration in the 2022 NFL draft. And you saw part of the reason why last night, excuse me, he's just ferocious. He's fierce. You, You don't see guys who, you don't see guys who hit as hard as Lewis Seen routinely, play after play after play. And this was, this was something that was, um, controversial, a big knock a little bit on his um, his NFL draft stock when he absolutely laid out Kyle Pitts in the Florida game and people called Lewis Seen a dirty player. He's he's not a dirty player. He's a physical player. He puts everything into every single play. And you see the results of it last night. He, you know, going head-to-head with Brian Robinson. Those two had a great battle in the alley last night. A couple of plays, Robinson got the better, better of him, but on the whole, you come out of that game thinking that Lewis Seen gave Brian Robinson an absolute terror of a time. He diagnoses the run play so well. He diagnoses all the plays so well, but especially against the run, you see the guy diagnose, you see him destroy. That's his motto. Diagnose and destroy Lewis Seen from a safety position. So athletic. Like you were talking about, he, he, people don't talk about him as a first round prospect enough, as far as I'm concerned, but he's, he's up there with. Um, in the conversation for the second safety in this class behind Kyle Hamilton with, you know, the likes of Daxton Hill. Yeah, I think um, you've got Daxton Hill, him, Jaquan Brisker. We got to diagnose and destroy. We got to put that on a T-shirt or something. But it, it perfectly describes his play style. Yeah, like he, <laughs> he absolutely destroys guys. I think I think as well, you know, we're, we're almost running out of players that actually played for Georgia last night. This is how good this Georgia defense is in 2022 NFL draft prospects. I don't think you mentioned Trayvon Walker. A guy who, oh, for me, yeah. is an underrated athlete at his size. Six foot five, 275 pounds. He's played the game at 290 pounds as well for Georgia. And you cannot see the, uh, the um, any sort of drop-off in his athletic performance, no matter what weight he plays at. And for me, that's what makes him one of the more intriguing prospects of this Georgia defense. Because you could plug him in at um, a defensive end at the NFL level. You could plug him in at defensive tackle. I don't think he lose an ounce of athletic ability. He's very technically sound. He comes with a an array of pass rush moves. He, he moves like a guy. I think when I wrote his scouting report, I said he moves better than some linebackers who play the game at 230 pounds. That's how athletic Draymond Walker is. And he, yeah. he just abs- absolutely insane athleticism with the tools there as well. He's a little bit of refinery away from being a, a first-class prospect in this 2022 draft. We haven't even talked about any Alabama guys yet. You know, yeah, we got to throw back to the linebackers, man. I mean, Christian Harris had one of the best games of his college career. He's always been a little 
inconsistent processing wise. And I don't think he's perfect there still, but you put him in a reactive outside linebacker role at the NFL level, get, let him blitz, let him use that explosiveness. We saw that yesterday. He was flying across the field when he knows, when he knows what he's attacking and he can attack it. That dude is scary. And Henry Tootoo, you know, he's more of that Mike guy. He can actually call the signals. He can actually position himself a little bit better. We saw that too, where he was making stops behind the line. So I loved seeing those guys. Fedarian Mathis on the defensive line for Alabama. Big high motor guy. Uh, he can play at one sack. He can play from zero to three. Uh, he can really shift his alignments. And he was doing a really good job against those interior linemen for the Georgia team. Uh, so, I mean, those Alabama guys were a lot of fun as well. It's just, there's so much talent. That's what we said. Like, it's hard to cover it. We need we need an hour and, and 30 minutes. And we wanted to cover all <laughs> of it in earnest. But we can't do that, unfortunately. But especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think the, the talent really showed out yesterday. And it was fun to see because usually a lot of times in college football, you see like 50, 40 games, which don't get me wrong. I love those, those high-flying offensive showdowns. But it's nice to see the defense have its day, too. You know, wait, I'm a defensive wait, wait, guy. Wait, 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 wait. I just, oh, yeah. we have forgot. There you go. We have forgot a guy. Look, we've talked offense, we've talked defense. Let's talk special teams. My guy, Jake Kamada, is <laughs> yes, the best punter in the 2022 NFL draft. If you watch the national championship, you took away anything from that game other than Jake Kamada is the best in the nation. I don't know what you were watching because that kid is special, man. Like, go, go, go to at OJ Hodgkinson on Twitter, <laughs> scroll down the timeline, find the tweet that says Jake Kamada is coming to the NFL and watch that that pun, man. I want someone to look at me the way that Ollie looks at punters and kickers in the NFL yeah. draft. Scouting process, ladies and gentlemen. You know, continuing on with our conversation here, we you know, we're talking about obviously a lot of prospects in the 2022 NFL draft, but you know, how many Georgia players? This is a great question we also got in the chat. How many Georgia players will go in the first round of this year's NFL draft, in your opinion? I mean, they are loaded from the second level. I mean, the defensive line and even in the secondary, like there was a play, it was when Bryce Young was rolling out to his right. He tried to deliver the ball. He got wrapped up by one dude and just creamed by a defensive lineman and a linebacker. Loved seeing that. I mean, just from a defensive standpoint, that's how you set yeah. the tone and you rattle a young quarterback. But, man, Georgia's defense had so much talent. Yeah, it's it's insane. That's where you have to start with the first-rounders. I Personally, I don't have a first-round grade for a guy on the Georgia offense, unless we're talking about the 2024 class, Brock Bowers. We can talk about that in a couple of years. Uh, that's kind of down the line. But George Pickens, I know people, I know a lot of people really like him. And I like the upside too. I'm not quite there at first round. I, I think he's still got some work to do, you know. But, you know, on the defensive side, you look at all those guys on every level, they have a first round caliber player. I think we can say that. You know, you look at Jordan Davis, obviously the nose tackle. He's actually not my highest rated guy. Uh, that's Nicobe Dean, who we were talking about him in the chat, man. He's so good. He's so good. I mean, we just got to wax lyrical about this guy because you look at, you know, athleticism, mental, he's got it all. You know, he's super explosive. He can match guys with his hips and coverage. And then he's a really good communicator pre-snap. He's very quick processing post-snap. And he just attacks when he sees things. So I love that, you know, that explosiveness. He's kind of explosive mentally, too. It just clicks just like that for him. So you love to see that. I think the Kobe, he's also super physical on blitzes. You know, you talk about his size being at like six foot two thirty, maybe would have trouble getting off blocks at the NFL level. But I think he compensates with his physicality and play strength a lot. So I'm a fan of him. He's a top 20 player for me. Jordan Davis, it kind of depends on fit for him. 
you can't just put him at any team that needs a defensive tackle. He's a two-gapper. You know, he's going to be a zero-sack or one-sack. I think put him at that nose. Teams like the Chargers, the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, those are teams that stand out as fits to him in the mid to late first round. That's where what where Jordan Davis goes. But, again, you get him, he can eat up blocks, and he can free up other guys to, to get one-on-one opportunities, which is so valuable in the grand scheme of things. So not flashy, but, you know, low-key from an operational standpoint for your defense. That's the way to go. Uh, I look at Lewis Seen. We were just talking about him, and we were talking about him in the chat too. You know, he gets all the hype for those those big hits coming downfield. But from the all twenty two that I've seen of him, you know, he's very good at positioning himself downfield. You know, using his eyes to position himself and pass off routes when he needs to. So he's a smart player. He's not just a you know hit you and make your teeth rattle. You know, he's not just that type of player. He's actually a smart safety at the back end too. So. I've been kind of grappling with who's going to be my top three. I know Dax Hill is going to be in there, and it's been between Jaquan Brisker and, and Lewis Seen. But the more I see of Seen, uh, it's it's more and more trending in his direction. And then Darian Kendrick too. You know, I think he's trending into that first round conversation as well. Uh, the long speed is concerning at times, but I think in the short areas, you know, when he has to match guys off the line, he's definitely explosive enough. He's fluid enough, and he's super physical and proactive at the catch point. So I love to see that from Darian Kendrick. I think you look at this defense and then, you know, once the testing numbers come in for guys like Nolan Smith, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, we might be seeing some first round hype for them too. I don't think they go in the first round, but I think you're looking at at least three or four Georgia defenders, maybe going around one. It's it's an insane level of talent all around that defensive unit. Yeah, I think um, you hit the nail on the head. N'Kobe Dean, I just want to touch on, you mentioned his mental, uh, the mental aspect of his game. The, the kid's a 4.0 GPA. They asked him during media week how he balances um, football and, and education. And he, he just gave an absolutely um, phenomenal response, just a mature, you know, we come back to it, kids, kids play football. He gave such a mature response to how he handles day-to-day being uh, a star on the football field and a star in the classroom as well. I, I can't speak highly enough from the Kobe Dean. I think, you know, the guys you mentioned, they're, they're the obvious first-rounders. Jordan Davis, um, Lewis Seen for me is first-round quality. Nicobe Dean is a, is a slam-dunk first-rounder. I think Trayvon Walker is a guy who starts entertaining um, first-round conversation as well. If, if an NFL team falls in love with that athletic upside, they see the tools that he brings to the game, they think they can refine him and use that versatility. I easily think that, that Trayvon Walker could be a first-round pick. Darian Kendrick. Darian Kendrick garnered first-round attention in the last NFL draft cycle while he was playing at Clemson. And he returned to Clemson. He had that off-field incident, um, which really threatened to derail his NFL draft stock um, earlier this year. But that all seems to be behind him. You don't hear a lot of that um, stuff now. That stuff did cause him to be a little bit under the radar, I think. I don't think a lot of people thought of Darian Kendrick as being a, a first-round prospect. Some people not even a second-round prospect in the in this draft, but his talent is there. You know, former wide receiver who who excels at the catch point due, due to those um, due to that experience as a wide receiver. His understanding of route running is is impeccable, and he's he's really shone in that Georgia secondary. And again, it comes back to. How did Georgia win the national championship? They won it in the trenches and they won it in the secondary when you compare um, compare the, the, the Georgia secondary to the Alabama secondary. And, and Darian Kendrick and Lewis Seymour are a huge part of that at the end of the day. 
Uh, we love trench warfare. I love defense. And look, Georgia is the epitome of defensive talent. And obviously, we're looking forward to seeing how many actually go in round one of this year's NFL draft. And ladies and gentlemen, real quick, I want to remind you, the Pro Football Network, we have a mock draft simulator. We have the best mock draft simulator. There's no bias here. It is legitimate, 100% fact. And the reason why, guess what? It's got premium features. All absolutely free. You can be the general manager of the team that you root for on Sundays. You can conduct a one-round, two-round, three-round, or even a seven-round mock draft, and you can even control multiple teams if you want. You get to man the phones, and you get to make trade offers, or you can also receive trade offers as well. They put you in control here at profootballnetwork.com slash mock draft. Be sure to check that out on the website today if you want to get involved with the latest mock drafts. Obviously, in the future here on Between the Hashes, we'll do some dueling mocks once the final draft order is solidified. But real quick, we're getting some NFL news in as we're talking about this here that we'll touch on on tomorrow's episode Pro Football Network Weekly. Joe Judge has been officially fired by the New York Giants. You're going to get coverage from myself and Adam Beasley tomorrow here on twitch.tv slash Pro Football Network. Gentlemen, continue on our final topic on today's episode Between the Hashes. Just so so blessed to join you two here to you know, get the hair, get the looks. I mean, I'm I'm out kicking my coverage here by being in here with you guys. You guys are legit. I appreciate you. Um, the question is, the 2023 NFL draft duo from Alabama, a lot of people have their eyes on the future in Bama. And obviously, if you saw the pre, you know, the press conference after the game, Nick Saban gave a very, very strong consideration that this game does not define these athletes here. Is Will Anderson the early number one prospect in the class here uh, You know, going forward? I think he has to be, you know, and I'm, I, I try to stick away from hyperbole. You know, you never want to just join the bandwagon, right? Like, oh, everyone loves this guy, so he's got to be good, right? Uh, you never, you always want to do your due diligence. And I think we've seen enough of Will Anderson to say there's a very good case for him to be the number one overall guy heading into next year. He's got everything. He's got size, length, a really hot motor. He can align anywhere. He can stunt from the inside. He's got the power. He's got crazy explosiveness and good bend, too. You know, and just his hyper, you know, it's one thing to have the traits too, but I think the thing that separates great prospects from elite prospects, or rather elite prospects from great prospects, is to do it consistently from snap to snap. And I think the production speaks for itself this year. I think just, you know, watching it on tape, he is always disruptive. And having that high-end disruptive ability from snap to snap, never having any lulls or anything, it's rare, you know, to be that consistently elite at your position. And I think we've seen that with Will Anderson this year. I think there's no argument to be made that he hasn't. So for me, he's definitely the early number one player. And, you know, obviously you got to revisit next year. Don't dig yourself in if he has a little bit of a letdown, you know, be open to changing that. But right now, seeing what he's done in 2021, I think it's safe to say going into 2022, he's the number one guy. Any yeah, objection points, you, any counters there, Ollie? No, no one sorry. I, no just, punters I you want to counter with? No. no, no. no. <laughs> let's, let's not. Hey, I think we've only got about <laughs> 10 minutes left. We could be here all night if we start on that one. <laughs> Look, I, I, just want to, I just want to embellish a little bit on Will Anderson because everything that Ian says is correct and there's so much more. I think it was really telling this week throughout the entire week of media availability, every single question, whether it was to a Georgia player, whether it was to an Alabama player, whether it was to the coaches, offensive um, offensive coordinator, defense, every single question was what makes Will Anderson so spe- so special. And and I just think that speaks volumes about how good a player he is. You know, he, he has got everything at this moment in time. And, <clears throat> excuse me, talk about him sitting out next year. Should he sit out next year to, to kind of avoid a Jameson Williams-style situation? You know, because... We've seen in this 
two seasons that he's played for Alabama, just what Will Anderson can do. The speed, the power, the strength, the intelligence. You know, Ian touched on the versatility, his ability to attack you, whether it's around the outside track, whether it's in the inside. Just how, however Will Anderson gets you, he's going to get you. And and I just think, you know, right now, having having watched so much college football this year, last year, studying for 2022 NFL draft prospect, I don't, I don't think I've personally seen a guy on tape for 2023 that makes me go, ooh, Will Anson might have a challenger. And, and Ian's spot on. You know, don't dig yourself in. Don't deal in definites. We don't, you know, deal in absolutes. But right now, you it's difficult to bring another name to mind as a, as a player who is better than Will Anson in this 2023 NFL draft class. Yeah, and Bex makes a great point, too. Having over 100 tackles as an edge rusher is uh, scary. You know, usually you look at edge rushers, they kind of play within their realm on the trenches. You know, just set the edge, you know, do your job. But this guy's all-out hustle and his athleticism to make plays in space, too. I mean, like, this guy has everything. And then on top of that, he's got the hot motor. He's just an all-out competitor. You talk about him potentially opting out next year, which, by the way, you know, I would not penalize him if he did that. At the same time, though, you look at his all-out intensity and you just, you you know, you don't really expect him to because, like, he's just a guy who just, he's going to play football no matter what. I don't know. That's that's what it seems like with him. You know, Will Anderson just seems like that guy who really checks all the boxes. And that's one of the cliches we use here. Uh, you know, if you listen to me talk, I use it 10 times a day. But, you know, <laughs> he definitely, he he's definitely that all-around guy who who's definitely deserving of that, of that number one spot on the pedestal right now. And that's a really good point about the intensity as well, because um, I, I, I sat opposite a computer screen looking Will Anderson in the face this week. I, and I tell you what, I don't know how as an offensive lineman you line up against that guy, look him in the eyes. You don't just saw your pants and go home because that, that kid, it just, just oozes intensity. And you know what's coming from a technical and a physical standpoint and an athletic standpoint. When you stick that mentality and that intensity in there as well, Sorry, that's that's good night from me. I'm off home to change my trousers. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, one thing that if you have 100 tackles as an edge rusher, you know, one thing that we see from him consistently, if you run the football away from him, he's going to track down the line of scrimmage from the backside and catch you. He's really good, very disciplined at that. When you run it to his side, he does a really good job attacking, keeping his outside hand free, squeezing down the edge man on the line of scrimmage, and then making the play for a tackle for a loss. I mean, high motor guy, and obviously one of the guys that we'll have our eyes on here at Pro Football Network. One of the other questions, gentlemen, before we let you go here on today's episode of Pro Football Football Network weekly installment of between the hashes a college football and NFL draft podcast. Is Bryce Young the best quarterback prospect going into 2023? I think it's a a two-man race right now. It's Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. There's a few other guys in the conversation. It's going to be good. It's going to be good, man. Will Levis, Kentucky, is a guy I was pretty impressed with this year. I think he has the the physical upside for sure. But I think right now, you look at who's the guys at the top, it's definitely Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And, you know, fitting, right? Heisman finalists, you know, that's kind of where you start. You don't want to do it just with the Heisman, right? You know, stats alone isn't it, but looking at their tape and especially how they grew this year, like at the start of the year, these guys are pretty inexperienced coming into the year, uh, especially CJ Stroud, right? But then, you know, over time, and, you know, early on in the season, there were, there were people talking about benching CJ Stroud, maybe like, hey, this guy's not it. We got to move on to one of our other. <laughs> four or five five stars we got in the depth chart right but you know looking at how he improved down the stretch got more consistent you know got a little more calm and composed uh kept his mechanics square 
you know, and, and I really love the poise in the pocket too. like has the ability to navigate those lanes, keep his eyes downfield and find those holes downfield. And, and I think Stroud really improved there. He was able to use his eyes to manipulate safeties and open up lanes for his receivers, which, you know, for a quarterback at his age is really rare. You see guys who are redshirt seniors who don't really understand how to use their eyes. So that Stroud already understands that macro level. You know, what can I do to manipulate the field to my advantage as opposed to just looking around? Right. You know, he, that he understands that is very, very impressive and very promising for his future. And on top of that, he's got a great arm. I think his arm might be a little bit better than Young's personally. And then he's a good he's got good mobility, too, with Young. You know, still great arm. We, we saw him layer some really impressive throws last night and across the season. Very good mobility, very good off script ability. Again, you talk about the poise, but for him, I think it's more, you know, in the heat of the moment when he does go off script, we've seen him make some crazy plays where, you know, oh, he's going to turn up field. No, he's going to toss it. You know, he has that all around, that all around awareness of his surroundings and being able to adapt at a moment's notice is a very, very good tool for a quarterback to have. And I think, you know, having that malleability under pressure, you look at Bryce Young, he has that. He's very tough, composed. Uh, and aware and you know on top of that he's a great athlete with a great arm so the physical traits the mental traits these guys have it and, and right now it's like you can make an argument uh for with the 2022 class like i think it has talent don't get me wrong i think a lot of these guys have talent to kind of develop and build up but i think if cj stroud and bryce young came out this year you could make an argument that they're qb1 and qb2 i mean they're that good and, and i'm so excited to see where they keep going how they keep developing because the sky really is the limit. I think we're going to be pretty spoiled next year evaluating them. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you nailed it there with with Bryce Young with the the poise for um and, and CJ Stroud. You know, young yeah. kids, relatively inexperienced as starting quarterbacks, and just the the poise in the biggest moments. And, and I, I wrote a, a piece about CJ Stroud and how I thought he deserved the Heisman. And when you, it was an assignment, but when I put my heart and soul into it. I was like, actually, you know, the stuff that this kid overcame, you mentioned the benching, you mentioned the um, <clears throat> all the talk on, on Twitter and on social media and stuff about CJ Stroud, that mentality to, to come through that, to grind through that and to put on the performance that he has. And, you know, we saw in the Rose Bowl what he can do. We, we've seen in several performances last year what CJ Stroud can do. Bryce Young, for me, I, I, I do prefer Bryce Young. I think he is that little bit more poised. He has that ability to, to make make throws a little better with anticipation and in the biggest moments as well. Now, CJ Stroud hasn't had to make those plays in the biggest moments. You know, he hasn't had to play in an SEC championship game. He hasn't, you know, had to overcome a, a team in overtime like Bryce Young did against Auburn. He hasn't had to, to step up in the face of adversity in the national championship like Bryce Young had to last night. Let's, let's be, you know, let's be honest, you know, how many quarterbacks could have played that game last night without the two top targets with the young guys that came in and no disrespect to Aggie Hall and no disrespect to, to Cam Wartu who sta stepped up and had a great game. But how many quarterbacks still had their team in a position to win late on when with all those things around them against the defence that was as good as Georgia's, you know? And for me, I come back to the the start of the show where we say what, what won or lost in the college football national championship. Well, you know, down the stretch, without your two top wide receivers, I'm not quite convinced the play calling from Bill O'Brien to, to try and take those chunk shots and, and pick up huge plays and drive down the field that way. You know, when they got little swing passes out to Brian Robinson going, little short passes off to Slade Bolden, 
They were gr- they were slowly grinding down the field. You've got a minute and a half left to play. Play that way, and Bryce Young probably delivers you a national championship. But dialing it up with guys who struggling to catch the football all night, that that ain't it. And and I think Bryce Young rebounds next season. He probably in a really good position to be a back to back Heisman winner. And and if you think that Alabama aren't going to be <clears throat> all into to win a national championship next year, you ain't know nothing about college football. Yeah, real quick, while we're talking about 2023 guys, I got to bring up this one guy, Georgia center Cedric Van Pran. I, I brought him up to Ali earlier in the year, earlier in the week, because he really caught my eye from the conference championship. And he, I thought he played pretty well again last night. He's a, he's really athletic, really quick off the snap, powerful. A guy to watch. He's a redshirt freshman this year, but the center for Georgia could be a name to watch. So just some 2023 talk, you know, obviously draft analysts, we have a really bad habit of looking way far ahead, farther than we should, but that's just how it is. Nothing nothing better than that, gentlemen. You inform a lot of people with your college football NFL draft analysis at Pro Football Network. Always appreciate your insight here on the video side here between the hashes of Pro Football Network Weekly. Speaking for Ollie Hodgkinson and Ian Cummings, I'm Cody Ork. We're going to return tomorrow with a brand new episode of PFN Weekly. We're going to talk Joe Judge being fired from